Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Our guest this morning is a best-selling author, performance and habits coach, and culture shifter. Rael Kelly has been an educator, speaker, trainer, and business performance coach for 25 years. He's the president of Strategic Pathways and developer of OnCourse, a multi-tier self-growth coaching program that's elevated the standard of performance coaching. He has a passion for helping other, others achieve results that they believe are beyond their grasp. And he's here to tell us all about that and how he does that. Good morning, Rail. Good morning. Morning, David. Good morning, Tara. Good morning, Rail. David. Hopefully, by the end of this show, I'll be able to pronounce your name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it took only 15 years, but we, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Takes a while. And you know... Uh, we're now in December, and the first question I have for you coming from South Africa, how do you like the weather in Calgary? At this time of year, I don't. <laughs> yeah, this way I grew up, this was beach time. <laughs> December is beach time in South Africa. Right, yes. So when did you come to Canada, and how did you start Strategic Pathway? I came here in 1977, and Strategic Pathways was kind of, um, didn't start that until 27 years ago, and I started it um, right after I had lung surgery. I went to a pretty devastating illness that kept me unemployed, um, unemployable for five years. Um, and I had to learn how to manage my own emotions during that time, to learn how to, to, to kind of deal with the reality of my world. I um, was unable to work. And of course, not earning an income uh, makes for a challenging life at times. I have had eight months of living on the street, which it was an interesting experience because I had no prior training in how to live on the street. I hadn't taken the course. Is, Here, is there a course? Yeah. <laughs> well, there should be. <laughs> Here in Calgary, be. you were living on the streets? Yeah. Oh, my. Fortunately, not in December. <laughs> it, um, and it was during that time that I had a lot of time for introspection. And I had to learn how to kind of create the mindset necessary to survive unknown and tough times. So... As much as I would look upon that as the toughest time in my life, it was also the best time in my life from a growth perspective. And for the last 27 years, I've been, Strategic Pathways has been my life, which is around trying to help people understand that, if, that our perspective shapes our reality and that we can change any circumstance by just changing the way we approach, <clears throat> pardon me, how we think about, how we think about different things. How did you get there as a person who was living on the streets in Calgary for eight months? I mean, that's a long time to be homeless. Uh, how did you have that mind shift? Where did that strength come from where you knew you had to change your mindset? Well, prior to that, I'd had a seminar business, um, which mm -hmm. was on a similar type topic to what I do today. So I kind of knew it was there. I just never had the Life hadn't given me, dealt me the cards to, to prove, to test out the theory that I had learned before. Um, and necessity is a great provider of truth and it's a great time to, to, to learn reality. Um, and I think it was just the circumstance, but I think also what made it easier for me is I wasn't dealing with so, so many of the things that people who live on the streets today deal with. I wasn't, I was, I was, had no addictions. Mm. I wasn't an alcoholic. I was, I've never done any kind of drugs in my life. So I didn't have those restraints um, holding me back. Um, I just had to get through 
the sort of day-to-day reality of how do I eat and how do I keep how do I keep the optimistic approach that says this, you know, this too shall pass, that the day will come, the, the day will come that um, I will, that this will be part of my history. Mm. Oh, oh. Tell us about that day when all of a sudden <laughs> you had a home and you were moving on into a different world. Well, actually it was on my birthday, in, uh, which is in the end of this month. Um, it's in November, November 30th is my birthday. And on that day, on that in, in, um 1995, I met a young thoracic surgeon who had just moved here from Vancouver. And prior to that, the respiratory specialist I had been seeing had sent me to five surgeons, none of whom would, would operate on me. They wrote back to him saying, uh, this person would not survive surgery, so let him live out his life. And this young um, surgeon had moved here, and I'd met him that morning, and he said, I will do the surgery. And I, it's kind of funny because I remember saying to him, have you ever done this particular operation before? And he said, I have done it once. And I said, what was the result? And he said, let's not focus on that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but obviously, I'm here. Um, and so that day, I went to a registry office and I registered the name Strategic Pathways. With the, and I, I think it cost $30 back then to register a name and I had like $40 to my net worth. And so that was the beginning. So um, let's talk about strategic pathways and the four pathways that you kind of uh, have on your website. And I know for many years that you believe a firm believer in those four pathways. Can you, do you still remember them? (laughs) (laughs) Vaguely, I'll do my best. Um, Over many years of working with people, and of course, you know, you and I have had lots of discussions over these 15 years, David. Um, I, I have come to believe that, that we, there are four prisms, and I'm sure there, there are others, but there are four primary ones through which we view the world. And to the extent that we can remember the lessons of each, we can shape our lives to create and produce the kind of result we want. The first one is really the foundational one. And um, it's, it, it's really about how we sort our thoughts and how we sort through our beliefs and, you know, we've just gone through an interesting thing with COVID where we've come to realize how polarized we are. So just on that very topic, even in this community, there's a lot, there's great, there's great debate as to the right way to do things. Did we, you know, there were people who were pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, um, and, and there was a, there were a variety of very polarizing positions taken. And one of the truths, one of the, from what we call the four pathways, is the first one is a very simple statement, but it's hugely powerful. It says this. It says, everything we believe to be true is true for us until it isn't. And it just simply means that most of the things we believe to be facts can be eroded. And those facts can turn into non-facts just through any simple experience. We've all changed our minds. We've all had great meals at a restaurant, had one lousy experience, and we change our viewpoint of it and never, ever go back. So most of what I believe, most of the things we believe to be true factually are more opinion-based, belief-based, than they are fact-based. So uh, uh, let me repeat, everything you believe to be true is true for you. Until it isn't. Until it isn't. And how do we make people on polarizing side be open to listen and change your mind because that's not what happened in the last few years. I think, I think your question is a self-answering one. I think the answer is in your question is in the, is in the question. It's very difficult. And part of it is because 
you know, we're all familiar with this term confirmation bias. We look very carefully for things that will confirm what we believe, but we shun anything that will disconfirm. <laughs> so we kind of, you know, close our eyes and put our hands and fingers in our ears if we are presented with something that disconfirms what we want to say. And, uh, and, and a lot of it is because amongst many of us, uh, probably most of us, there's a strong, almost insatiable need to be right. And what I have learned... He's talking that, about you, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we all actually, know. I was going to say, <laughs> Rail knows you. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> that need to be right is deadly. I mean, that need to be right leads to wars. You know, look what's happening in Ukraine because one schmuck, can I say that? Yeah. Mm. Has some belief about about something that he, that is right, and look how many people look how many lives have been lost, look how many lives have been destroyed and and so to answer your question it 's difficult it can only happen when we have a willingness to explore a willingness to say i don 't agree with anything you say, but i 'm open to what you say, I will listen to it, and I may never agree, but at least I will hear what you have to say Tara, Tara, will you call this being vulnerable? I don't know. I'm not sure that that's being vulnerable. I think it's setting your ego aside okay. and being that's open exactly. to okay. listening to other perspectives yeah. so without judgment. It doesn't work exactly for me. It doesn't work for me. Setting your ego aside. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you need to talk further. <laughs> but, but so much of this, and we only have a one minute left here, but so much of this is what you're saying is all about ego and being able ego. to just drop it. Right. Right. You don't have to be right. Absolutely. And so much of what we believe to be true is detrimental to ourselves because so many of the truths we believe in are about our own selves. And very often they're self-limiting. They hold us back. You know, I can't do this. We're heading into a recession. So they tell us um, some people will prosper. Some people come out of this far stronger than they are now, will we'll have the greatest years of their lives in the next year or so as this, as this unfolds. And many others won't. And so much of that is predicated on what they believe to be true going into this. Because what we believe to be true determines what we do. It'll, 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 it'll format our decisions and our, our actions. Our guest this morning is Ral Kali, President Strategic Pathway, Inc. Uh, and we have to take a short commercial break. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. We're back with Rail Kelly, president of Strategic Pathways. So you were talking about the first pathway. Now, just to recap, there are four pathways. Um, the first one, everything you believe to be true is true. Until, for you. For you, until it isn't, right? And let's move on to the next phases, two, three, and four. Sure. The second one is about what I think is predictability of life. And that is that our lives are the consequence of all of our thoughts, beliefs, decisions, and actions. And so if we look at where we are today, each of us, we are where we are today because of decisions and actions we took yesterday and the day before and the day before. 
for. So ultimately, every moment of our life, every place we find ourselves at is a consequence. And the wonderful thing about knowing that is we can use that to predict the future because we can select behaviors and actions that will produce the kind of consequences we want and another word for consequences here being results mm-hmm. that we that we will see in our own lives. So would this be something that we hear a lot about the small habits and you know doing small things every day that turn into bigger habits is that what you're kind of looking at here that would be the consequence would be something positive as a result of your daily habits? Without a doubt. We okay. we are the product of our habits if we define habits simply as being things we do repeatedly. Now, I have a belief, again, everything I believe to be true is true for me, so <laughs> I'm, sub- I'm open to being wrong, that many of the things people struggle with are just habituated within us. So we've heard, for example, how stressed out people are now because of the last few years. Um, we do a lot of stress workshops, and, and my premise going into it is there's no such thing as stress. There's just, there's just, there's just interpretation of what happens in our world. Um, so if we use that as an example, people who say I'm stressed out, I think that's a habit, meaning they repeatedly allow themselves to, to be in that state of being stressed to the point that it becomes habituated within them. So they're no longer stressed. They're just practicing the habit of being stressed. Does, does, does that kind of make sense? It does. Even with things like certain types of depression, people are really good at being depressed because they've been practicing it so much that it's become a habit. And it's probably not a popular thing to say, but I think there's some truth to it that we teach ourselves to be through repetition, through practice, to be who we are. So, yeah, we we, best- we say from, like I won't mention names, but we say about people, oh, they can't function unless they're stressed. They can't, yeah, now they weren't born stressed, so no. we had to learn how to do it. So I heard a great expression one time. It said the best way to predict the future is to create it. And I think we could do that by by doing repeatedly the things that will produce the consequence or the result that we want in our lives. And it comes back to choice. So now, to do these things. if somebody is uh, they if somebody's listening right now and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I have said I'm stressed twenty times today to my coworkers or my family," how do you get out of that rut? What do you tell yourself instead? <laughs> Daily affirmation. I, um, I, 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 there's so many different things mm-hmm. you can do, but I think I think almost anything other than that. I mean, I, right. I do believe that in the moment, as you're sitting here right now, without much effort, you can you can allow yourself to feel pretty down, or you can allow yourself to feel pretty exhilarated just by sitting in that chair. And I think we have great power over our emotions, which is a good segue into the third one, which is around em- emotional ownership, mm-hmm. and that is that. Um, we have to own our emotions in order for anything to change. And we do. We have great power over our emotions. Our emotions don't own us. We own them. And it's a function of, again, creating the habits necessary to, 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 to master the type of emotional states we're in whenever we want. We don't have, you know, being stressed, if, if what I say is true, is the result of practice. Practice doing something else. Practice being unstressed. Practice being happy. Practice smiling. Put a smile on your face. Talk differently. Speak louder. Um, laugh. Won't kill you. Try it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so you take ownership on what you have done so far is the first step to change. I think the opposite of ownership is victimhood. That if we aren't willing to take ownership of our situation, 
then we become victims to it. And it's very hard to move or to shift away from being a victim. It's very difficult. Um, in fact, some might say impossible. It's only possible if we start accepting that, I, that I'm not a victim. I am in charge. I can do different things to produce different results how does but you have to recognize yeah you have to recognize and 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 how does feeling grateful for the things around you play into that shifting of a mindset <laughs> based on my life experiences what i've mentioned earlier to me it's everything because i have <laughs> and i don't I, I couldn't in a whole day list the things in my life for which i should be immensely grateful so being grateful is hugely important i think we lose perspective and we view the world, of course, we only know the world through our own experience. So we get overwhelmed by things that to us are overwhelming and to other people who've had different experiences um, are insignificant. You know, I, I remember um, we had a neighbor who, was, um, who had moved here, was an engineer, who had moved here with his young family from Iraq. And I remember him saying to me that when he goes to work, he has to bite his tongue because his colleagues talk about how stressed their lives are. They've got kids and they've got piano recitals and they're trying to this, um, organize their schedules and their lives are stressful. And he <sighs> said, my kids never had one day in their lives where they went to bed without hearing gunshots until we left Iraq. Mm. <laughs> so perspective. perspective. Perspective, yeah. 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 Come from where I come from, it's the same thing. I, I, when people tell me here they're stressed, I go, Why? Like it's, I feel I live, I live in heaven. Well, it's their, said, it's their world though, yeah. right? No, no, I get, it. I get it. I get it. I get it. This guy, he said they should be so grateful that these are the things that stress, that this is all they have to be stressed by. They should be so appreciative right. of being stressed by these seemingly small. So Rel, your book, Life uh, Sinks or Soars, The Choice is Yours. I want to get to the fourth one because right. I think that's a key. The fourth one I think is the most important one. And it simply says this. You will never have the energy or the passion to do what you want, to get what you want, until it becomes important enough. Mm. And we only ever do one thing. We do what's important in the moment. You know, uh, the, one of the easiest examples of people trying to lose weight and how they struggle with that. Because, they, because they'll begin each day with some kind of prioritized schedule or, or, or agreement to themselves of what they'll consume that day. But as the day progresses, perhaps they'll go to work, and perhaps it's somebody's birthday, and perhaps somebody brought in chocolate cake. Who can resist chocolate cake? So they will convince themselves. They will, re they will reshuffle the deck of what's important, and they'll move, sticking to this uh, regimen of healthy eating, they'll move it a little bit lower down so that they can include the chocolate cake. And they'll use language to convince themselves it's okay. They'll say things like, I'll just have a tiny piece. I'll just have a sliver. And they'll use these diminutive-type words to convince themselves it's okay, but it's not. And we constantly rearrange the priorities in our life. So it comes down to a form of discipline. Discipline, my definition of discipline, is that discipline is doing what you know you should be doing when you don't feel like doing it, or not doing what you know you shouldn't be doing when you really feel like doing it. And the opposite of discipline is delusion. Honestly, <laughs> when, you allow, when, you, when you allow the discipline of not doing what you know you shouldn't be doing or doing what you know you should be doing, you do something else, you're deluding yourself. 
because we, we negotiate, well, I'll have the chocolate cake today and then, you know, I'll go to the gym and I'll work out for 48 hours tomorrow hmm. and I'll fast for three months. And you know, it won't happen. Yeah. But we do it repeatedly. And I always so, lean that to negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you only ever do in the moment because if you, in that moment, choose the chocolate cake, in that moment, it's more important than staying with the program you're on. And the reason is, of course, about gratification. The weight loss is in the future. The chocolate cake is in front of you right now. Tell us about, you've got a 100-day boot camp. Um, tell us about that. So we have a program called Obsession. Mm-hmm. And it's about 100 days to, to master the four pathways, to really make them part of your life so that all, not never all, the vast majority of your decisions, consequently your behaviors, will be seen through the prism of these four pathways. So it begins with a two-day workshop. And then over the next 100 days, we meet individually or in small groups with people and we just constantly um, do the things necessary to stay on track. Because really what we're doing in its simplistic form is, is, is forming the habits essential to produce the lives we want. Going back you know, to our second um, uh, pathway, our lives are the consequence of our decisions and our actions. So the more we do the things that will take us to where we want, the higher the probability that that will be the consequence of our actions. Our guest this morning was Rial Kelly, president of Strategic Pathways. Thank you, Rial, for being our guest and uh, enlightening us. And I'm happy that's recorded because some of the things I have to listen again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Really, really good knowledge. Thank you. And also, we should mention that you've got a new book coming out. Everything you believe to be true is true until it isn't. And that's coming out in 2023. Thank you so much, Rael. Thank you, Rael. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges.